0: Welcome back to Division One Rejects, episode 127, recorded on the night of September 11th. I'm your host, Kobe Manzo. Tonight, we've got some great guests for you, the first of which we'll talk to here in a few minutes. That's Kellen Reed, the wide receiver, redshirt freshman from Grand Valley State. We're going to talk a little bit about that game tonight, a lot of it about that game, excuse me. Number four, GVSU, host number 20, CSU Pueblo. That game went to double overtime. It was electric Kellen Reed, the guy we're going to talk to, 95-yard kick return in that one right before the half. Huge play in his first college game. This shit was unreal. It was unreal. So we'll talk to Kellen. Later on in the episode, we got Tucker Horn from Trinity University, the quarterback down there. They drop an overtime loss at St. John's in Week 1, Division Three wise They come back playing in-state. Mary Harden Baylor at their place, their home opener, man. They looked good. They looked really good. Their offense especially, defense stepped up big time. The Tigers looked really solid. We'll talk to Tucker. Later in the episode. Otherwise, though, the main gist of this one, guys week two game recaps, division two, division three. I'll kind of highlight a couple here for you. Number two minds, big win over Angelo State uh, at number six. You got Pueblo who fell the GVSU in that double overtime thriller. Mary Harden Baylor falls to the Trinity. We'll talk to Tucker later. Like I said, uh, another big one on the D3 side of things Harden Simmons picks up the win at lacrosse from Texas all the way to Wisconsin. They pick up that W. Some other teams we'll talk about today. Uh, Ferris State and their gritty win, another top twenty-five game, win over Ashland. We got Davenport taking it to Bowie State, and then talk about a couple other games on the D two level. Texas A and M Kingsville potentially with the upset of the week over previously number 18th ranked West Georgia, who just made the announcement they're going to Division One out of the Gulf South. There, I don't know if you saw that on our Twitter here over the weekend. IUP had a crazy ending against East Stroudsburg. We're going to talk about probably the worst way to lose a game conceivable. Uh, Truman State picked up a big win over South Dakota Mines. We'll talk about some more Division Three games, Whitewater, Oshkosh. Stick around for all of it, man. we got some good stuff this episode, just me in the studio. But like I said, be joined by some really quality guests. Make sure to follow us on uh, all the socials. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, timestamps, bottom of the screen, fast-forward to any part of the conversation that sounds interesting, you can find those in the description on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get in this podcast. Follow us on the socials. Subscribe on YouTube. I feel like that was the last two minutes was like a run on sentence for me, and I apologize for that. But it's kind of going to be the rest of this episode, so I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> make sure to subscribe, do all that stuff. Let's get right to that first conversation with Kellen Reed, <laughs> joining the show tonight. This man played a big part in Grand Valley's double overtime win on Saturday. A ninety-five yard kickoff return right before halftime. The red shirt freshman. It's Kellen Reed. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good, man. I was, I mean, I guess, I don't know if you call me, like, a fan, but I'm a fan of good football, right? So watching that game, I see you, first of all, fumble that thing. We'll talk about that in a second. You pick it up, take it all the way. I'm going crazy on the couch. Like, this is just, that game was all types of turns and back and forth. It almost made me think of something like, was it, like, a LSU, Mississippi State, that one that was, like, seven overtime, something crazy. Like, at points, that's what this one felt like, dude, just – Freaking incredible. I'm sure it was maybe somewhat the same on the sidelines, though.
1: It absolutely
0: was. Yeah, that's crazy, man. But uh, you had said it before I, I hit record here. First two college games for you. And number one, you fly out to Colorado. You play the number two team in the country. Now you're back, your home opener for another top 25 matchup. You got thousands of people. It's dark mode and lubbers. Okay. These people have had a couple beverages. They're getting going. That student section is crazy. I've been there Filming, they are – they're not the most rude people, but they're, they're going to let you know. They're going to be in your ear about it. But safe yeah. to say, not an easy environment to catch a kick in, let alone return one. I'm going to excuse the drop that happened because it's game number two for you, coming off the redshirt yep. year. Yeah, <laughs> And you pull off – I have it written down here – some Miracle in the Meadowlands type shit for you, dude. That's Pick pretty- that one up, find <laughs> a crease, find another one. Talk yeah. to me through that, man. That's awesome.
1: Man, so basically, well – I'll go back a little bit. So I missed the first game. Like, I went out to Colorado and everything. I didn't get to play because I uh, injured my hamstring early okay. in camp. So that, that ended up being my first game. And that was my first kick kick return snap because Daryl moved <laughs> Johnson. He took the first two. He did amazing. And then it was my turn. And so I'm watching it come in. I'm like, that's a wacky kick. And it's coming in. I'm like, oh, I'll let it bounce out. Ball comes back to me. I try to catch it, bounces out. And the first thing I think is Coach Stud is going to tear me up. <laughs> so I picked that thing yeah, up and I'm yeah. like, I got to make something out of this or I won't be back on kick return. So yeah, yeah. I just shot up the sideline. Dude came at me, got me a little bit, and I just made a move and I saw an opening. just took off. Oh, that is
0: ridiculous, dude. I, just, I was just thinking like that moment. I mean, I, I could probably think about what's going through your head. Like everyone's been there. Like Coach Stud, too, came on here. Talk about yeah. a dude who keeps it real. He came on here, man. He's sitting in the car. Him and I, I felt like I was just, we were just chatting. He forgot I was recording, probably. <laughs> he's the man. Um, yeah. But I I could definitely tell that he'd be the guy, too, that you do something wrong, like he's going to let you know about it.
1: Yeah, he definitely, he definitely does let me know.
0: I love that, dude. So not even college game number two, college debut for you to have a play like that. That's just, I mean, almost just got to feel like to get the monkey off your back. I guess it's kind of the saying of like getting that first one. I think a lot of people talk about, depending on the position, like as a running back, you know, getting that first hit out of the way, then you're like, okay, here we go. Like for you getting that first big time play and kind of reminding yourself like, Hey, I know this is college. We're playing against top level talent, but I can still be that guy. I could still make these big time plays that I was doing at high school. Right. Absolutely. Big time dude. Um, and talking about that game, you guys are up twenty-one nothing before they start to even like claw their way back into it. It was a block kick, a pick six. I'm imagining mm-hmm. on that sideline, dude, it feels like for a bit there, nothing could just go your guys' way.
1: Right. Yeah, for a while it kind of felt that way, and it was almost like like I felt like we were up, and I look at the scoreboard, they're down by seven, and I'm like, dang, like I I really thought we had it deep in the bag. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time our coaches talk about like being a dominant team. Like we want to dominate the team that we're playing. So get to 21. 0 keep running it up. Just. Yeah. I hear That's you. what we get after.
0: Absolutely. Then, you know, to make things works, makes things worse. Excuse me. Cade goes down your backup. Avery Moore already injured. Yep. Alex comes in and another red shirt freshman. That just seemed to be like, as an outsider again, I've never seen this dude take a snap in my life. I'm like, oh shit, like here we go. Like things are just continue to add up. His second snap, he goes in there, drops a dot. Your sideline had to be going nuts.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for his first college snaps, he puts a ball out there like that and then continues, goes on, throws a pick six, cleans it, like learn, burn, repeat, gets it out the back door and keeps on balling out. Like that is that is amazing.
0: That's tough, dude. It's tough to do. And especially like I was saying, by the way, on the little I was looking at like the attendance. It says zero on the box score, so I don't know if someone just didn't put that in there. Give me yeah. give me your rough guess. Like, what was it like inside Lubbers on Saturday?
1: I might – maybe 15,000, 16,000.
0: It probably felt like 100 to you, especially after you dropped that.
1: Yeah, I, I heard everybody go, ooh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's great, too, because, like, when Northern played there last year, and, you know, that was obviously an ugly game. But I'm sitting there filming in the end zone, and, bro, so there's that, like – almost three yards between the end zone and the student section. And I'm right there. And these guys are like staring over my shoulder, like watching me film. And it's like one of the weirdest, like I'm like within arm's reach of all these, like the front row of the student section right there. Those guys are, they got prime spots though, dude, you definitely set them up right.
1: Yeah. A few of my uh, good friends from back home came to that game and they were right up there in the front
0: row. I love it, dude. That's pretty sweet, man. I was texting uh, Jack Gilchrist after the game, and you know, as exciting as it was for a spectator, this was his quote. He says, I never want to go through that again. That was <laughs> that was what he told me, just that back and forth. Talk about that roller coaster of emotions that is, you know, an overtime football game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A little stressful.
0: I bet, dude. And um, next up for you guys, no slouch. And I guess before we get to talking about assumption a little bit, the biggest thing from week 1 to week 2 as an outsider for me was your rushing attack getting going. Tariq Reed was almost a non-factor in week 1 and just let alone your ground game, not just Tariq to single him out, but I feel like that opened you guys up offensively. I saw uh whoever was in there at quarterback getting a lot more comfortable because now the defense has to honor that. Talk about what that did for your offense and that showing for you guys.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Tariq going for 119 yards um four touchdowns. He was getting out there. People were hitting him. He was bouncing off. It. He was just making plays. Like that's a masterclass performance by him. And Cody Tierney, back-to-back hundred yard games, like mm-hmm. threatening the deep ball, like you had to respect deep ball and you had to respect Tariq running it. So you kind of put both of those out there and you could scare a defense. So I feel like, like having the best of both worlds out there like that, it really kind of opened up a lot of opportunities for everybody out on, out on the field.
0: Yeah, man, and that receiver room too that you guys have, I think there were obviously some question marks because you lose a couple of your most talented guys in the portal and now they're playing at some big-time schools respectively. And, you know, I'll, more credit to them. Like, they went out and got what was theirs and you can't really, you know, think so much about that. But then obviously that is a, what would you call that? Like, there's a hole in the production there. So you're going to have to have guys like Tierney and like others step up. So how do you feel that room is kind of uh, rose up to the challenge these first couple of weeks?
1: Abs I feel like that room like it goes way back to spring ball at that because we had a coaching change too and you know, kinda getting adjusted to that. But we picked up and started rolling. We had an amazing spring ball, good camp. Like everybody just playing like they've been there before. When we got some young guys in the room, older guys, the older guys are kind of just helping the younger guys out. And it's like we're really picking it up and rolling now.
0: That's huge. That's huge. But yeah, next up for you guys, no slouch. Tell me how you rebound because these last two weeks a super emotional loss, a super emotional win. Both of them obviously very tight games, and I say that just because, um, you know the emotions run high because it's just the anxiety and you don't know what's going to happen. But now, number twenty three, assumption this weekend. It's not like you guys get a week off. Talk about that matchup and uh, you know what you're looking to, how you're looking to keep the guys up, not necessarily bounce back, but to keep these guys, you know, keep these guys going.
1: Yeah, we're actually we're really excited to get get after it. So we really wanted to focus on making a, like a huge jump from week one to week two. And now we're going to bring a big, even bigger jump into week two to week three. So we really want to focus on like dominating the team. We want to kind of demoralize them early in the game and get out there, make them run. And um, I don't know, we're just really excited to get back at it.
0: Yeah, I hear you, man. And that was something I'm going to talk about later with like a squad like Ferris. You look at their first two weeks and yeah, 2 and 2-0. Um, But you look at their two games, not pretty by any sense of the word. They struggled in the first half, both against Mercyhurst and against Ashland. They come out from behind and end up winning both those games. But like you said, if you can get up out early on a team, sometimes that can just save you. It saves you in that third or fourth quarter, and sometimes you save that result where you're not biting your nails when it comes down to the final minutes, dude. But um, excited to see what impact you have these next couple weeks, what you guys do, because your schedule is just getting started. Obviously, as you get into Gleak play, there's going to be a lot more um, hopefully some close games, some really good contests, dude. But all I got for you tonight, Kellen, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Of course, man. Have a good night. Thank you, too. Appreciate Kellen joining me tonight. And now to transition over, let's talk about that game a little bit more, that GVSU game. We're going to go through our Division II game recaps, then we'll go to Tucker, then we'll go to D3 to finish things out. So if you want to fast forward to that conversation or Division Three recaps, make sure to go ahead and do that. Timestamps in the description. But first of all, CSU Pueblo, Grand Valley State, that was our game of the week. We're going to be making game of the week selections every week for D2, D3, and NAI. This one, the obvious one for game of the week. Grand Valley wins 57-49, to an absolute shootout. And we talked with Reed about their quarterback, Cade Peterson, going down. He was 9 for 13, 155 yards, a tud, looked really good. But takes a bad hit, got to go out with concussion protocol. Now, I wanted to ask Kellen if he'd be back this week, but I also didn't want to put him in a bind, like from maybe releasing information, so I said, screw that. I'll just leave it. I'll leave it ambiguous. But uh, Alex Stoll comes in for those guys. Five for seven, 81 yards, a touchdown, did have that one pick six, but like Kellen said, did a great job of refreshing, totally wiping that, going back down to help Grand Valley continue to score. Tariq Reed, obviously the, the player of the game for them on the ground, twelve or 21 carries, excuse me, 124 yards. Uh, or 119, excuse me, net, with four tuds. Good Lord. But not to be outshined, Chance four from CSP, man, 29 for 49. He threw the ball almost 50 times, 338 yards, five touchdowns for the quarterback for the Thunderwolves, man. Yes, I know there's two overtimes, and that accounted for another touchdown. I don't care. You still threw the damn thing. Extremely impressive showing from the Thunder Wolves, and they just continue to show that, you know, throughout the season, they're going to be a serious contender for that Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference over there in the RMAC. So, moving on, though, let's talk about another RMAC squad. Number two, Colorado Mines at number six, Angelo State, the Ore Diggers. They win 31 21 on the road in a top 10 battle. And to me, the number one stat line from this one, guys, Max McCloud. The wide receiver, we've talked about ad nauseum on this program. His stat line in this one, six catches, 147 yards, and a tud against an Angelo State secondary that led up 138 yards per game in 2022. That's incredible. This team was letting up against opposing offenses as in entirety, as a whole. 138 yards per game. He comes out. He's got 147 on him in a tud. And yes, I know the reigning Harlan Hill winner, John is throwing to him. I don't care. You see the catches this guy makes. He will be playing on Sundays. He will at least definitely, I guarantee you, he's going to get invites to go and work out at training camps. And he will be playing if that's what he wants to do after school, which I don't know, maybe, you know, we talked about that mind's receiver room before. Have you seen the amount of money these guys are making directly out of college? It's almost $100,000. That's what happens when you're probably one of the best engineering schools in the country. But, I tell you right now, and that's, I don't know if it's a a prediction or a promise. I'm going to err on the side of promise. That kid could play professional ball if he wanted to. The Rams actually led 14 to 3 at the half, though. So they shut down that Mines offense to three points for the first half, which was very impressive defensively for them. Mines scored 21 points in the fourth to get them over the hump late. So that was kind of the story of this one. The Mines offense, extremely dormant. All of a sudden, I don't know, epiphany, something clicked. They figure it out immediately. 21 points on the board. And when you have an offense like that, that that's high-powered in that fashion, happens just like that. The backfield tandem of Landon Walker, Noah Roper, had well, what I would call a super gritty game because I'm pretty sure Walker may have busted like a 38-yarder. That was the longest of the day. For the most part, though, not many long runs. Busted out a ton of just super gritty, grimy yards as the fight for each one of those. And that was something we talked with Antonio Clark, the columnist for D2Football.com in the RMAC, He said their backs this year present a unique problem to defenses because in the past they've had some more shifty, um, elusive backs that are really prominent out in space, really great with that. And now this year you see a lot more in between the tackles, a lot more downhill run game, especially when you talk about the defensive front seven from uh, Colorado Mines. That is a super physical football team, and I don't want to get that to get lost. So huge win for them. We'll see if they can keep that thing going. Let's talk a little bit about Ferris State, number one team in the country, Still, they take down number 19, Ashland, at Ashland. But, like I said to Kellen earlier in the episode, not your typical win for the Bulldogs. They trailed 21-10 at the half on the road. They figure things out, outscore Ashland 28-7 in the second half. It was the final, of do some math here, 38-28. to They win by 10 on the road, but that second half score, very telling. Defense stepped up in a big way. Uh, the first two games for Ferris, not necessarily pretty, I would say they're not really wire to wire wins. I guess you'd call them, but the biggest takeaway for me is that the good teams find a way to win in those instances. That's such an old coaching trope. I don't care. It's an old coaching trope for a reason. It's like stereotypes. Like they're a thing for a reason. They're not always accurate, but someone said it. And we talked with, I'm trying to, I'm blanking on his name. Linebacker for them last year in the playoffs, we were talking to him, Nick Thomas, I believe was it. That was Nick Thomas. And I had said to him, like, I feel like you guys make your own luck. Like Fair State and other good teams, this is not a trait that is exclusive to the Bulldogs, they put themselves in situations where they're making their own luck, and that might sound kind of crazy, but when you watch them play, you start to understand that. In the big-time games, the big-time moments, their guys always seem to be at the right place at the right time. And only, really, the best teams are able to do that. As far as the quarterback play goes, it's always going to be a highlight of them. Pretty even split. Pretty even dosage of uh, Carson Gulker and Malik Mitchell for Ferris at quarterback. That's something I'm sure we're going to see more of as we continue to go through the year. But Gulker finishes with 138 on the ground, 121 in the air. He threw three touchdowns. This is a guy as a redshirt freshman last year. Broke the NCAA record for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. He just threw three of them bitches in this game. Pretty exciting for him. Sophomore campaign. Bulldogs defense, they shut down a talented back in Larry Martin for the Eagles of Ashland. He had 12 carries for only 10 yards. That's a guy who was in the all-conference conversation. He is a really good back over there. So that's a pretty prominent stat. Xavier Wade, leading receiver for Ferris. He had six grabs, 131 yards, and a tud. And then uh, one of our own, our D1R athlete, Sean Stevens, came up with a huge interception early in the second quarter. That was his first uh, with his new squad. He led Division II last year at West Liberty in interceptions. Kind of seems like he's trending to keep doing that with the Bulldogs. That was his first. Definitely going to be expecting a lot more from him. Ashland, not out of it. They did drop out of the top 25, I believe. But definitely not out of it. As they get into GMAC play, I still would expect them to win the GMAC, run the run the table in their conference. As far as some more competitive games, as they get into the heart of their conference play, Ohio Dominican is going to be a great one. Maybe a, uh, always a game against Finley or Tiffin. Like those games will still be marquee matchups, but... I still expect them to run the conference. I've been very impressed with what their offense has been able to do after losing their starting quarterback. But we can move on. The upset of the week for me. Maybe we need a new category. Game of the week and upset of the week. Texas A&M, Kingsville, man. They upset West Georgia. And the crazy thing about it is that statistically West Georgia outplayed them in a lot of facets. 18 first downs to 11. 215 passing yards to 99. Their offense was much more efficient in most facets of the game. But... You knew that was coming, but UWG, they threw four interceptions. You're not going to win games when you have that many turnovers. Two of them go to Amos Coleman, who was the uh, defensive player of the week for the second time in a row in that Lone Star Conference. He also had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. Dude just had a day. How about have a day out there in the defensive secondary? More than 10,000 people at that game over in West Georgia. That's a big part of it, too, is they did this on the road. Extremely impressive. That was the first game since West Georgia's announcement that they're heading to Division One, which, if you know a little bit about that program, not super surprising. Think they've been entertaining that idea for quite some time now. As far as uh, the Javelina offense go, Cannon Williams, 14-21, or 14 421 I should say, for 99 yards and a tud, also an interception. Passing attack? Not really there for the Javelinas. Thankfully, they did get a little bit more done on the ground. Had about 113 yards rushing. Split that mostly between Christian Anderson and then the quarterback, Williams, himself. Defensively, though, like I said, that's where they stepped up, and it seems like that's going to be their calling card. We had Coach Bish, their defensive coordinator on the show, uh, quite a, a few months back, and talking to him, I think he was definitely expecting that to be their calling card heading into the year. That um, Not to say the offense was going to be lacking or struggling, but that the defense and you know those takeaways, those turnovers, where they're going to be able to really stay in these competitive games and even, and even win these games. Pretty cool, too. When we had him on the podcast, I believe we actually broke the news that they were scheduling the game against West Georgia. Not going to say it's kind of a big deal, but it's kind of a big deal. It's pretty cool. Um, finally, though, two more games here. Let's talk Davenport, Bowie State. Davenport picked up a big win last week against Thomas Moore, but not really surprising. Thomas Moore, you know, first, first year moving into the GMAC D2 out of NAIA. This week, though, against Bowie State, 24 19, they win this one. And another year or another game of. A really balanced attack for them. On the ground, Myron Harris, the transfer from Wayne State, 16 carries, 136 yards, and a touchdown. And then you look at uh, Jason Whitaker excuse me, through the air, a little bit less efficient, 11 for 27, so certainly not a performance he had last week. Still, though, 164 yards and a touchdown. He made plays when he needed to, and our guy, the D1R athlete, Preston Smith, four catches, 82 yards, and a tud. He had a 65-yard catch, man. He looks good. He looks really good. He caught two of them in week one, caught another one this week. He's going to be a terror. He's certainly going to be up there for offensive player uh, of the week for the GLIAC as we continue to go through this thing. Um, Bowie State, their quarterback, man, Amir Jenkins, 39 for 59 with 350 and two tuds. But because you're like, how does a quarterback from the losing team have that stat line? The key number here, four interceptions for him. And whether that's a testament to the Davenport defense or maybe a knock on Amir, I don't know. I didn't watch the game. I go through the box score on a lot of these. I can only watch so many games, guys. I've got so many monitors. But that's a key stat for them. They really struggled on the ground, only had 50 yards rushing against what is kind of been an inconsistent Davenport defense, but we'll see if they can step that up this year. Davenport does creep uh, further and further into those top 25 rankings. I do believe they sit at number 20 now. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. And uh, another uh GLIAC team just made it in there, Saginaw Valley, number 25. So we got four GLIAC teams in the top twenty-five right now. The last game, though, that I wanted to cover, South Dakota Mines, Truman State, Truman picks up the W 28-24. That's not a not a top 25 matchup, but these are both teams for me that would be in that like 25 to 35 range. The Hard Rockers from South Dakota Mines, and then you got Truman State, I think believe the Bulldogs. And these are two squads that matched up pretty evenly. On paper, Truman State dominated the ground game quite a bit more, which is, I think, kind of one of my takeaway stats from this one. But, I mean, when I say how evenly these guys are matched up, they had less than 40 seconds difference in time of possession in this game. A lot of the same opportunities. They had the same number of total first downs, 21. Um, I think the difference, though, is that the South Dakota Mines passing attack, a lot more efficient. You know, three of their 21 first downs came on the ground. That's a big piece for them. They're going to have to certainly get squared away, but that usually means your quarterback had quite the day. Jaden Johansson did, 27 for 38, 276 yards and two tuds. That just wasn't enough. Truman State gets it done on the ground, uh, on their home field. So big-time win for them, and we can finish up our D2 side of things by talking about uh, those new rankings, and I will go over a couple other scores of games here shortly. Let's see some that I uh that I may have missed. Because I know I trust me, I know I can't get to every single freaking game, guys, but I try my best. Um looking down through this one, let's see what we've got. New Haven with a one point win over Bentley. That was I saw the end of that one. That was actually a pretty conv- uh, pretty solid game for them. 14 to 13. Not a very high score. California, Pennsylvania gets the win over Kutztown. Kutztown starts 0 2. Kind of a shocker for me. 31 20. The Vulcans, take that one. Central Missouri with a convincing MIAA win over UCO. That's Central Oklahoma. Central Missouri, I do believe, has Northwest Missouri State this coming week. And uh, Speaking of Northwest Missouri State, if I can find the final here for you guys. I'm sure you saw what happened with them. If you follow us on Twitter, you definitely saw, but they ended up falling to Emporia State in their matchup this week. And Oh, you know why I can't find it is because I think that was a Thursday night game, right? But Emporia State, if I'm remembering the stat correctly, that is the first time they've beaten the Bearcats, Northwest Missouri State, in 29 years. 29. What an incredible stat. Yeah, here it is. 29 years. This is the headline. 29 years of frustration erased as number 18 Emporia State defeats number 5 Northwest Missouri just an incredible game. And Emporia State for me, you know, they got out early. It was 13-7 at half, so nothing crazy. They were ahead, but then they scored 12 in the third and they scored 8 in the fourth and they won every single quarter. I guess the first quarter I technically lost by a point because of a missed field goal or a missed extra point. But they went out, they were very consistent in their offensive attack and that was that was certainly huge for them. Looking at their big time contributors, Billy Ross Jr. on the ground. He's a 100-yard rusher in that one with a touchdown. And then uh, Brayden Gleason, a guy who's on the Harlan Hill watch list for many people. Super efficient through the air, man. 26 for 37. 257 yards and three tuds for him. They look good. That offense looks really good. He's got... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven different receivers with catches. Each of them has at least two catches, actually. So his ability to not only make these plays, but also to spread the ball out. We talk with Tucker Horn about that later, too. Really impressive from them. Um, And just an overall really great showing. I mean, 29 years since they beat them. What a freaking game. That place, I don't know where the hell Emporia State is, to be honest with you, but wherever the hell it was, that place was jumping on Thursday night. (laughs) That's pretty cool, man. Um, Some other games from around the country here. Moving down. Delta State picks up a big-time win versus Schoen. And if you saw the end of that game, they got into quite a brawl, which was interesting, to say in the least. <laughs> but keeping going. Shepard, big win over Edinburgh, 35-28. Certainly got to mention that one. Lenore Ryan picks up the dub against Fayetteville State, 24-10. Millersville-Gannon was a pretty close contest, 28-21 millersville Come out on top of that one. And then the game that I want to talk about a little bit. East Stroudsburg, IUP. And IUP definitely favored in this one. They were nationally ranked number 12 team in the country. East Stroudsburg not on the board. What an ending. Let me set the scene for you here. 26 seconds left. Stroudsburg up 13-12. IUP is on like the two-yard line with no timeouts. So 26 seconds left. They're down by one. Two No timeouts. Instead of just kicking the field goal, the go-ahead field goal, they run a play and try to run clock, I guess. You have no timeouts. So I think Baylor did this, was it at TCU or somewhere, where they did this and rushed the kicking team on there and then ended up making it. And it, was a, it was a cool story because they did it. They didn't do it. The field goal unit is so slow getting out there, the clock expires as they're lining up and they lose 13-12. to 12. Oh. You watch that video, and I don't know if I can show it on here because it's right from the broadcast. I'm not sure how the rights work on that, but you watch that video, and it's just disheartening. It gets honestly disheartening. To lose in that fashion, it's got to be the one of the worst ways to lose in football. Ugh. Anyways, though, let's talk about the rankings a little bit. Some of our biggest risers, biggest fallers. Northwest Missouri drops quite a bit. Angelo State, IUP, we all talked about those losses already. Angelo, because they lost to Mines, they dropped to number 10, so they're definitely not out of it. Northwest Missouri, down to 13. IUP, down to 22. So those guys are kind of the biggest drops this last week. Ashland and West Georgia, we talked about those two games. They're out of the top 25. Assumption, Saginaw Valley, enter. Those two teams take their place. And some other big risers, you look at this top five, it goes Ferris, Mines, Pittsburgh State, Grand Valley. Those have been the four. But now, five through seven, where it gets interesting. Number five, Minnesota State, Mankato. A team that deserves to be there. West Florida at number 6. They absolutely routed McKendry this week. That team looks good. That team looks really dangerous. Bemidji State at 7, and we just keep going, man. So, those are some kind of key takeaways for me there. Shepard's still hanging around at number 6 team with their win this last week. And then, like I said, four GLIAC teams as well. Davenport's at 20, Saginaw Valley at 25th. So, that, you know, those teams starting to round out and prove themselves. But, uh, we've certainly got some more Division three football conversation to come. But, Before we get to any of that, let's go to that conversation with the quarterback from Trinity. That's Tucker Horn. Joining the show tonight, this man led Trinity to a top 15 win versus in-state foe UMHB on Saturday. The first time the Tigers have taken down the Crusaders since 2002 It's quarterback Tucker Horn. What's up, man?
2: How's it going? Thanks for having me on.
0: Good, dude, of course. Did you know that stat, by the way? Uh, yeah, I, I, I had read it a couple of
2: times, but, uh, it's not something that we talked about as a team.
0: Okay. Interesting. Cause I'm thinking, I'm thinking either a, y'all talk about it every day and they're telling you that, you know what I mean? Like kind of a way to motivate or you don't talk about it at all. I feel like there's no in between, but there was the latter of those two. huh?
2: Yeah, it was, it was a ladder. I did. It's not something we really talked about. Um, you know, I th- we really do respect them, and we-, and we know that we haven't beaten them in a long time, but it's not like a – it's not something we pin on our goal board that's like, hey, yeah. we need to beat guys. guys. So.
0: Pin on the board. That's literally what I was talking about because I feel like it's kind of interesting how different coaches or different teams handle – you call like bulletin board material. So, like I was just watching a clip of uh, – who was it? Like Jair Alexander after the Packers game talking about how he shut down uh, DJ Moore. Like, you know, they're going to wow. play later in the year the Bears and Packers will, like – you know that'll be if there's a, I don't know if there's a literal board in their locker room, but if there was, yes. you know that guy's going to be on it. So I was I'm kind of curious always to see how different teams handle that stuff. And uh, before we talk about that UMHB game, is your teammate who got trampled at Saint John's is my guy doing okay?
2: Yeah, he's doing good. Hey, okay, uh, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, he's a he's a receiver. Uh, okay. You know that was a devastating one for us. And uh, yeah, he he uh, he witnessed Johnny Magic. Uh, At its finest.
0: Dude, I mean.
2: Whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, he's okay. a
0: tough, like you said, a tough loss compounded by the fact where he's laying on the field. Obviously, like, the game just ended super emotional. He's kind of just laying there, like, helmet in his hands. And then I imagine just looks up and there are just hundreds of people on the field. And they're all, like, they seem to congregate, like, right on top of him. So, I'm watching the replay and I'm like, holy shit, like, buddy, I don't even know if he was able to get up.
2: Yeah, I—I I mean, I'm not sure what all transpired after. I've heard multiple different accounts of what what transpired in yeah. that in that uh, in that crowd, but yeah, he's doing he's doing good. good.
0: Okay, I want to get it out of the way. Little PSA, a safety piece there, but um, I saw you're a big Chiefs guy, so I was going to let you know that Dan Campbell and the boys are going all the way this year, but you already found out.
2: Yeah, that no, that that's pretty cool that you say that. I mean, I I have nothing against the Lions, okay. so the strength coach for the Lions. Um, was my strength coach at – the head strength coach of the Lions was my head strength coach here at Trinity University. No shit. My, my freshman year. Yeah, and then really? Dan Campbell's son played tight end for us um, two years ago and then for four years before that. His name is Cody Campbell. So we have a connection with the Lions. It's pretty neat. Well,
0: I'm glad I brought that. I had no idea. Just, you know, for people who think this is a bit, I had no idea. Like, that's pretty cool that that, that kind of connection. So head strength coach makes his way over there. His son played there. Dude. That game was incredible. They had the freaking stealth bomber over the pregame. Yeah, so awesome, I saw that. But it was. That was really cool. But let's talk about you guys. Um, let's talk about that Harden-Baylor game. We're coming off, like I said, a tough overtime loss at St. John's, a game where I didn't realize you led by 17 in the fourth quarter. And then to drop that one obviously was had to be a super emotional loss. But now you certainly don't get a blow-off week with the Crusaders coming to town. You had to get those boys right, get them ready to play. Um, how hard was that after, like we said, you go through that – late emotional loss on the road and now coming back for your home opener what was that uh kind of transition like and you know everyone talks about like maybe a 24-hour rule and kind of wipe that one move on to the next was it that easy
2: yeah no i mean it wasn't that easy we definitely were on an emotional roller coaster um we had a battle battle of attrition up there in uh, collegeville um just it was one that it what hurt the most was that it felt like we had it. And, you know, we just shot ourselves in the foot time after time, yeah. myself included, you know, I recognize the, the magnitude of the mistake that I made. Um, but yeah. So when we got back Monday, we coach urban did a really good job of addressing it in front of the whole team and, you know, getting us reset to to move forward in the week because we couldn't, we couldn't let week one beat us twice. Yeah. A lot, I know a lot of teams that aren't very resilient or, uh, you know, senior led, you know, we'll, we'll let, you know, a lag come on in week two that from a game that maybe you didn't play as well as you could have in week one. So yeah. it was really hard, but I was super proud of our guys to, you know, battle through that. And, you know, still play with confidence because we played a really good football game in collegeville for three quarters, but mm-hmm. you know, you gotta, you gotta finish and play four quarters to, to win at the college level. So,
0: yeah. And you said, don't let week one, uh, you know, leak over and let that beat you in week two. That's a good That's a good line. You guys didn't, by the way. Obviously, no spoiler there. You come out, you score first on the opening drive. Defense gets a stop. You go down, do it again. You're at 14-0, and I think any doubt right there was probably quelled immediately in the fact that, like, okay, these guys came ready to play. Obviously, your home opener, there was a lot of great energy. Looked like you had some aerial shots on the broadcast, which is freaking ridiculous. I love that. You're not worrying about that during the game, but talk about the explosive start for you guys, especially offensively, but also some timely stops on defense to just get you guys out ahead and get you rolling, man.
2: Yeah, well, just to touch on that, I mean, I'll shout out our broadcast team. They do an incredible job. I'll oh, yeah. take the, their, their broadcast above any any other at our level. But, yeah, oh, yeah. Just, that's something we've really focused on is starting fast and um, throwing the first punch, and we've done a really good job of that um, week one and week two, and our defense is, is playing lights out when we don't put them in bad positions, I think. Um, you know, on set on special teams, we had a snafu where we gave them really good field position. And I think other than that, if we, if we, if we give our defense, you know, a full field to work with, then they're a really good defense and it's, it's really hard to drive the field on them. But, uh, yeah, I'm super proud of our guys, how they came out. Um, we're still working through some se- things. Definitely. I mean,
0: yeah, absolutely.
2: You know, when you get up that fast and like, you know, you get a, you get a false sense of, uh, of of comfort. And, you know, that's where stuff can bite you in the butt. Kind of what mm-hmm. happened a week. You know, we got to fi- find a way to to battle through those lulls so that they don't happen. And we can just, you know, keep on keep the train rolling when we get going. So
0: just talk to Kellen Reed from Grand Valley state earlier this episode, they're up 21, nothing at home over CSU Pueblo. All of a sudden that game's tied. And you're like, this is a team that at home, there's probably 10 plus thousand people there. And this team's clawing their way back, block, field goal, pick six, like these type of plays that can just flip a game. So I totally get where you're coming from there. But that defense, they stepped up, they answered the bell, two interceptions, five sacks, held them to 60 yards on the ground. Damn. Those are numbers, dude. Those are some solid numbers from you guys defensively.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, they do a great job for Coach Mahalik. And something else I'll say is that, you know, we had a couple of guys cramp up last night and guys just ready to roll in. Um you know that the defensive side of the ball has done a great job of getting even the young guys ready to go. Um, so that you know you never know when your time is is coming, and they they were ready to shine when uh, you know when they got on stage. So it was super cool to see our defense battle through um, maybe some slip ups early on, and you know special teams, offense, putting them in bad situations, but super proud of those guys.
0: That's awesome. And you talked earlier about your team maybe being a little bit more senior led and having those guys that have been there and done that like yourself. But now going back to the next man up type mentality, you feel like you guys have that depth and you have dudes that, you know, you're making the guy under you just as good, if not better. And you're at a place now as a team where you have that depth and have some contributors that can come in off the sideline.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, going through fall camp with all the experience that we've had, we were able to get some of the young guys even more reps than in the past because, um, you know, these older guys, these senior guys have have, have experienced pretty much everything. And, you know, yep. sometimes just about getting your body right and, and having some rest. So we were able to get all, a lot of those young guys um, ready to go and they're continuing to get better each and every day. And, um, yeah, the, the seniors are doing a great job of passing down the knowledge that they have – Gain through experiences down to those uh, freshmen, sophomores, just the underclassmen in general.
0: So, I'll tell you a spot. It it would appear as an outsider, you got some depth. The wide receiver room, you completed passes to nine different dudes. Like, you don't, you just don't see that at any level of football very often. And yeah, a couple of these guys might have had one catch, but they're still out there getting targets. Like, that to me is really impressive. What do you attribute that to being able to just spread the ball all over the place and have guys in every position that can make plays?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, coach, our receivers coach, Coach Jeremy Gazella, does a really good job with those guys. I mean, we're 9, 10, 11 deep at receiver. Man. And those guys, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they're a very, very unselfish group. I think our leading receiver last year doesn't even have, doesn't have a touchdown yet. I mean, okay. um, yeah, Cole Manago's caught too. Um, Caleb Crawford, Carter Self, guys that, you know, maybe didn't see the point production from last year, but guys that are definitely – just as good as anybody else. And, you know, things are going their way. When you have a bunch of receivers that uh, are really good at football, then it makes it hard on defenses to key in on one guy, which is, you know, a blessing to have as a quarterback.
0: That's a great quality for that. That room to have is that unselfishness, right? I think, um, I think it was Sheen Butler Lawson said the other week on here, he said like, no block, no rock. And that was awesome. Like, I love that. Like you got to do the dirty work. you got to do this shit to get yourself Uh, you know, open up these opportunities for yourself to have that type of production. And when he was talking about it, he meant, you know, we got to get the run game going to keep the defense honest, but on the same token, it's like, it's almost just proven to your guys that you're out there for them just as much as you are for yourself. Right. Like making all those unselfish plays, but uh, finally for you, man, you guys start conference play next week at Birmingham Southern. Easy question. Maybe a layup for you, but how do you keep it going? Man, it's, it's just,
2: it's just resetting. It's getting our bodies, right. You know, to go for for this week and we, ha- we have to truly take it one week at a time because this is this is really our first playoff game and that's how we're going to treat each of these next eight nine weeks um that's how, that's just how we're going to treat it because if, if you don't if you don't win all of these and if you don't win the first one then you can't win them all and then, then if you don't win them all then you know you're not guaranteeing yourself a spot um in the playoffs so we really really are uh, focusing down we're editing our lives we're taking out a lot of the distractions and we're just getting ready to go and play um a a great team every week and this week it's bsc so
0: oh yeah no more distractions shut down the pods no more pods for the guys huh yeah (laughs) all right we'll take let's take that man but that's all that's all i got for you brother talk i appreciate you dude i'm excited to see um Week one for the playoffs next week. That's what we'll call it. I'm excited to see you boys continue to ball out, keep that train on the tracks. And uh, you know, I think that's a testament to a great team. You come after, like I said, an emotional loss like that, to be able to bounce back against a quality opponent, have the showing you guys did. Excited to see there's gonna be a lot more of those down the road, brother. Thank you very much. Have a good night, man.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for all y'all do for our level
0: of football, especially. Thank y'all. Appreciate you, dude. Of course. Have a good one. <laughs> appreciate Tucker coming on. And as promised, we'll finish off with some D three conversation for y'all. And the first game I want to talk about, our game of the week pick, that's number 6 Harden Simmons versus number 11 UW Lacrosse. Harden Simmons Cowboys pick up the W and I guess kind of a recap of this one. Make sure to check out our Substack and our article talking about this game. That's on our it's pinned on our Instagram and it's on our Twitter somewhere. Just find it. It's in our link in bio. These teams back and forth in the first half, answering opposing touchdowns. I um, feel like every single like there's a little bit of give and take. Anyways, 14-14. Late in the second quarter, Lacrosse, their quarterback Kaiser Helterbrand runs in Go ahead, score with over three minutes left in the half. They're moving the ball super easily. Feels like they have a lot of momentum going into halftime. That all changes. Harden-Simmons, they get back on the board. Nora Garcia, 56-yard tud for the score with only 39 seconds into the third quarter. So they waste no time coming on the second half. Their defense comes alive. Another touchdown in the third from Colton Marshall puts Harden-Simmons ahead. Never gave... Uh, The Eagles a chance to get back into this one. Cowboys defense, they answer the call, pitch a shutout in the second half. Three takeaways in the fourth quarter alone. On the road. Defense travels, baby. Senior linebacker, Cade McNa, finishes with 13 tackles, 12 of them solo. I'll have you. A sack and an interception for the senior. Have a day, fella. That is awesome. We talked a great bit about Trinity, number 5 versus number 12 and UMHB and their dub, so I'll kind of uh, skip over that one because we'll you talk, talk about that a good bit. Uh, a big one, is it an overreaction to say Whitewater is back? Number 8, UW-Whitewater. Number 4, St. John's. They take down the Johnnies. After the Johnnies, we just talked about their overtime win versus Trinity in week 1. Four WEAC schools in the top 25 right now. Whitewater's worked their way up to number 4. They even got a first-place vote. In this last week's rankings, and I don't blame them after the dominant performances they've had. Whitewater at four, you got River Falls shortly behind them at seven, followed by Lacrosse at fourteen, and then Oshkosh at twenty-three. That we act is still representing man, um, but yeah, talking about this game a little bit more. Whitewater looked really good, fifty-six to twenty-eight against what is a really quality Johnny's team, you know. And looking at the scoring here. 7 in the 1st, 14 in the 2nd, 14 in the 3rd, 21 in the 4th. So going into the 4th quarter, these guys are already up, looks like 35-28, still a game, right? But they're still in the lead. Shut them out in the 4th, put up 21 points. They made it not even a close decision in this one. Individual-wise, some of their better performers, they got it done on the ground big time. Tamir Thomas, I think was the big uh, name out of this one, 17 rushes, 179 yards, three tuds, averaging over 10 yards a carry for the game. That's crazy. Oh, Jason Saniti, 11 for 16, 175, and three touchdowns. And you know, defensively, they obviously got it done as well. Uh, looks like Joey Antonetti with the one interception, and then you had um, quite a few guys get in on the sacks. Lucas Sadler, Sadler, Hawk Hefner, who was on our All Name Team for Division Three, shout out. Cole Yokum, Michael Gutowski, and uh, Matt Burba all got in there in the you know in the backfield to make some big plays defensively for the Warhawks. But like I said, I think that this team is back, man. There are a lot of question marks about them going into the year. They look really good. And guess what they have next week? Harden Baylor. There's a great chance UMHB starts 0-3 this season. And it's not even their own fault. They place a freaking buzzsaw of a contest, you know, competition here. Ah, Number 19, UW-Oshkosh versus number 13, Wheaton College. That one kind of went down to the wire. Wheaton ends up taking the W here, if I'm not mistaken. Let me pull up this box score for you guys. And the Wi-Fi is just not wanting to Wi-Fi in my house right now. Ah, but yes. Oshkosh, Wheaton. Wheaton, 30-21. to 21, Takes the victory. And... That's just a, that's a quality win for them. That is a very quality win. You look at the scoring on here. Just incredibly back and forth. Oshkosh, Wheaton, Oshkosh, Wheaton. And then into the second half. Oshkosh, Wheaton, Oshkosh, Wheaton. Literally just back and forth. Like that's a heavyweight fight. Um, not an entirely heavy scoring. But offensively, I do believe Wheaton College. You know, a number that kind of sticks out for me. 8 of 14 on third down. Pretty solid efficiency. 2 of 2 on fourth down. And 450 yards total offense. It's hard to compete against that. It's very hard to compete against that, especially when you're this efficient, passing the ball 22 for 29. Very good. Some big special teams play for both these guys. Um, but you know, I think a great tell of any game of the time possession, Wheaton 36 minutes to Oshkosh is 23. When you can possess the ball and maintain those long drives like that, that tells you a lot about this squad. Um, so great win for them. Otherwise, in the D3 side of things, those are kind of the marquee matchups that I wanted to highlight. We can look, too, at the at the rankings here and talk a little bit about more about those. Harden-Simmons jumps to number five. The top four, relatively similar. Obviously, St. John's was fourth, drops down to number nine. You got North Central, Mount Union, Wartburg, Whitewater, Harden-Simmons, and Trinity. And Mary Harden-Baylor still top 25. They're at 19, but they steadily dropping. Otherwise, nothing uh, too crazy to note there. I will check it, take a look here quickly at some other <clears throat> D3 scores. I guess another great game definitely worth mentioning. Wartburg, 16-2 versus Bethel. Bethel, obviously, the only points uh, safety in that one. Solid squad, Bethel is, and Wartburg, that's why they're number three team in the country. They looked really solid in that one. I did get to check out a little bit of that. Number seven, Linfield routed uh, Denison 28-14. Kind of a big one. River Falls followed up their big upset last week versus Ohio Wesleyan, 37-10, uh, excuse me. Cortland's offense looked really solid this week. Johns Hopkins continues to roll. They're at number 14. Carnegie Mellon pitched a shutout against St. Vincent. Ithaca picks up a really close contest, 20-17 over Endicott. And Endicott will actually play Harden-Simmons, I do believe, this next week, so that's going to be a fun one to watch. Finally, though, number 22, Susquehanna. Six to five win over Brockport. SUNY Brockport. What the hell happened in that game? That is absurd. Oh, That's funny. But if you've listened this long, I really appreciate you. Thank you for making it to the end of the episode. That's, uh, that's a lot of great stuff today. A lot of good D2, D3 conversation. Appreciate both our guests, Kellen and Tucker, for joining me. And uh, appreciate you for sticking around. Be sure to check out our new sub stack. It's where We're going to be posting articles, a different medium, a different format, Same great coverage from the guys over at D1 Rejects. Appreciate you for listening. This is D1R saying goodbye.